Good evening, and happy Good Friday to you. I'm glad you were all able to make it. Um, have an incredible uh, cupcake extravaganza there. Thank you, Robbie, uh, for doing that. It's beautiful and a great way to just to acknowledge, again, this time that we are having uh, together. I appreciate that. Um, this is one of those holidays, if you would call it, that are... It's an unusual thing. It's an unusual thing to have a celebration around something like a crucifixion. It it strikes us uh, very hard in just that presentation. And yet we who have faith in Jesus have an understanding of what that's about and why we do it, where the context is so important. If you don't have context and you look at the crucifixion, it's an awful thing and people wonder, why do you celebrate something so terrible? And until it's something that is personal, if if this actually was done with intention and purpose and it wasn't an accident or just an act of evil people's vengeance but was an act of purpose, then it changes everything. And so I wanted to start in John chapter 12 to give us some context of this day and and what we're doing. And in John chapter 12, verse 20, it says, Now there were some Greeks among those who went to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was with who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we'd like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. So there's a little order. We'll, we'll tell him, and he'll tell him, and then he'll tell Jesus. And Jesus replied, verse 23, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, It is for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven. Then came a voice from heaven. I've glorified it and will glorify it again. As Jesus gives this illustration, he he starts talking uh, about the event that's going to take place, and we know it's the event of the crucifixion. And as he starts talking about the crucifixion, he gives us a metaphor, and and he's telling us something that is, is important for us to understand, that there is a reason behind what is going to happen, and that the purpose has long-term effects. It has long-term benefits. And he says the seed that falls to the ground, unless that kernel falls, it remains single. It's just a seed. But if it falls into the ground and actually dies, says then it produces many seeds. 
And he goes on and he says, whoever has their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake, they're going to find it. And then something interesting that he says here, he says, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. Now, I I don't want to ruin this for you, but I probably will. Um, But I actually hope to make it more meaningful. But a lot of times, maybe you've heard that passage of Scripture, you know, that where I am there may be, I may be also. And we think of that maybe in conjunction with John 14. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might be with me also. But I don't believe that is the context of what's taking place here. I don't believe that's what he's referring to in, in this place. I think he's actually trying to get us to understand that what he is going through is something that we are also going to go through. In fact, in one of the translations in verse 26, it says, whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, my servant also will be, or there's another translation, because my servants must be where I am. And so Jesus is giving us an illustration saying, I'm going to go and do this. This is my journey that my, my life has to be laid down. It has to die. And my servants need to follow me. And where I am, my servants also need to be. And whoever seeks to save their life will lose it. But whoever gives their life for my sake will find it. You see, he, he's not just telling us he's going to die, go to heaven and take us to heaven. He, he's actually telling us there is an example that we should know because it's all around us. We see it in the seasons. You know, we're, we're coming out of winter, at least a California winter. You know, we, we had, it got it down into the fifties. You know, it was just so cold, but. There is that season where if you are in a place where it's extremely cold, the trees die. I mean, everything gets covered with snow and everything just goes into this dormant state. But then there comes spring where everything is reborn, where things turn green, where it's beautiful. There are these seasons and there are seasons that take place even in the plants as they're buried and they die and then they produce the trees and the trees produce fruit and then the fruit falls off to the tree and then it dies and so it goes on. Jesus is saying, my life is single, but unless I go through this, it will stay that way. But if it goes through that, then it's going to produce many seeds. But you see, those many seeds are produced by doing the same thing that I did. Those seeds produce more seeds by being where I am, by following my example for being with me. And if I am going to go through this, you're going to go through it as well. And so Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but you can take courage because I've overcome the world. There is hope. It's producing something more. But it's a season that we have to go through. And, and it's something that is difficult. It was difficult for Christ and it's difficult for us to live a life that is sacrificial. And there's a sacrificial attitude that's taking place in Christ that's meant to be transferred to us. It's, it's a life that is there for the life of others. And that can be very exhausting. 
Moms, you know this, right? (laughs) You are constantly pouring your life out into those babies. I mean, it's non-stop. And as you pour out yourself and your time and your sleep and, and everything that you have, what you are doing is producing life for them. And your life is actually resulting in the benefit of their life and continuing from them as you pour yourself out. Well, we're supposed to pour our lives out for the world, the people around us. We are to walk in this example. And so this Good Friday service is not just about, well, Jesus died for me so that I could go to heaven. This Good Friday service is Jesus died for me and left me an example that I am to live a life of sacrifice that will produce more life. Now, I know that doesn't sound real exciting, but there, there is another season that takes place. There's going to be the Sunday, but, but even in that, there are other seasons. There are times for rest. There is a Sabbath for God's people where we can cease from our works and our labor because the work of God has been fulfilled. What Jesus has done has satisfied that work. And so even though there's a life of sacrifice, there is also the ability to rest from the strife. To not have that struggle of, am I good enough? Can I be accepted by God, what do I have to do to be approved? And Jesus has done enough. And so we can rest in what he's done and understand that even though it's an example for us, it gives us peace. It allows us to take that moment and turn. Now, when the church was first started, they met at homes. They didn't have buildings. They, they didn't have places where you could go to, you know, have retreats or, or th- they just met in homes. And, and it's so interesting because Jesus, when their multitudes would come and they would gather and things were going, he would remove himself and go off to a distant place, retreat and kind of spend time with God. If we have multitudes of people, we start another service and do more work, it seems like, right? There's a lot of people we need to do more. When Jesus had a lot of people, he actually took a step back and rested. And the early church recognized that really what we are here and what we are about is to be the imitation of Jesus to the world around us. And so at these meetings, you wouldn't find a large library of things that you need to read to get right with God. You wouldn't find a bunch of lists of what you should and shouldn't do. You wouldn't have a sign-up list in the back. We need help with the children's ministry. At least I don't think they did. But you would find at every one of these homes a table with bread and with wine. Because whenever they gather together, they remembered Jesus. He was the central figure to their gatherings. He was the reason they were together, and he was the reminder 
that their lives were also to be poured out and that they were to recognize that what he has done is enough for them. And so what we are doing here today, in a sense, they did every time they get to get, got together. It wasn't a once a year Good Friday service. I mean, let's face it, that was established about the third, fourth century. It was something that was a weekly routine. In fact, probably more than once a week when they would get together. Bless you. They would actually get together and remember. And so the table was central in that place. It was where they met. The table was set and it was there for everyone. You see, the table wasn't there just for those who belong to our club. It's not just for those who believe. It's for everyone who is in need. It wasn't exclusive. Well, have you said this prayer? Have you done this? Have you been baptized? Have you done this? Well, if you haven't done those things, then you can't eat of this table. No, this table was available to everyone who came into that home because Christ is available to everyone who will come to him. And we've made it so difficult. We've made it so complicated in so many ways. And and we see that in the variety of things. I'm all for unity, but I'm not for uniformity. But I, I just think that our struggles to be identified by the things that we do have taken us away from the sacrifice that was to be our example. And so people look at all the different churches and, well, we believe this and we believe that and we think they're wrong because they do this and we think they're wrong because they don't do this and we do this plus we do this so we're better because we do not just seven steps, we have nine steps. Oh, we got 11. We're on top of the hill there. We, We make it so unique about these things when at one time there was just a table with bread and wine and the example of Jesus who said, my servants need to be where I am. And you remember the scene where Jesus took the towel and he girded himself and he went and he washed the disciples' feet. And Peter says, Lord, you can't be taking this role of a servant. You will never wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't do this, you have no part of me. This is who you are to be. This represents me, but it also represents you. And so my desire this evening, and as I was thinking about this day and going through these scriptures, my desire is that we would not see Good Friday as something that is just about Jesus dying for us, as beautiful and as touching that as that is. And as true as that is, but we would recognize that Good Friday is the example for us and how we are to live. And James chapter one, James chapter one, starting at verse 12. 
James says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And and so we see there's the idea of persevering, the idea of struggle, the idea of a trial or a testing. In verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be kind of first fruits of all he created. And James here is echoing what John has been talking about, that Jesus taught, that the seed is going to die. The seed has to give up itself. It has to be poured out. There has to be the sacrifice so that life can continue. If we are going to see the work of God continue, it is going to be by taking this example and living it out in our lives. It's going to be by recognizing that what Jesus has done is the example of what we are to do. As he gave his life for us, we are to give our lives for each other. And I'm going to close in John chapter 19. I just want to read about the crucifixion. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and the officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to the law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the place. Where do you come from, he asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. 
Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away. Take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out of the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fashioned to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests and the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided them into four shares, one for each of them. And for the undergarment remaining, this garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this was what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of a hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And Father, as we remember the day, Father, we remember your life given for us. And Lord, we are taking not only time to remember you, but to remember your words for us, your example for us, God. And Lord, may we partake not only of the bread and the the drink here, but may we partake of the life that you give. May the seed that was sown there at the cross, spring up in us and produce life. And may our lives be poured out and sown for the lives of others. We're going to partake communion. And here in the center is why we are gathered. Here is the the bread and here is the juice. And what you're going to do is come and take the piece of the bread. You're going to dip it in the juice and then you can partake it here or you can go back to your seat And partake it. But understand this that what you are doing here is not just partaking of something here. You are partaking of the truth that Christ initiated all those years ago. You are continuing the work of God in your own life. And just as this bread gives sustenance to your body, the life of God is supposed to be alive in us and poured out through us to others. 
So come up here as, as you want to partake and we're going to worship together and then we'll continue worshiping. And Father, may you continue to be the center of our midst and our gatherings. May your example be ever before us and may we follow in your steps, God. And I pray that you would enrich every life that is here this evening, God. Father, that you would give strength as we are being poured out, might we recognize, God, that you will pour into us. Might you give us rest, God, for those who are in places of just fatigue and, and they're exhausted from the struggle of life. May you be a refreshing Work in their life, God. May your spirit encourage and strengthen them. And Father, may we recognize that every good, perfect gift comes from you. Even in the tribulation, you are good. And we do celebrate that goodness this evening. Let's close and worship one more song as we're here together. We're going to end just in a note of worship and praise and then encourage you guys to enjoy each other's company as we stick around. But let's close in a song of worship.